0: Welcome back to hearsay the podcast about justice by students of justice. Uh, My name is Toby Reed. I'm the criminal justice instructor at Attleboro high school. Uh, It's a three year program for people who are interested in some of these ideas. Uh, today I have with us, Mr. Aiden Dorenzo. He is one of my seniors in my level three class. Aiden, thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you, Mr. Reed.
0: So uh, first Aiden, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, et cetera.
1: Um, I moved to Attleboro my summer of eighth grade. So I was relatively new coming into the school. Um, Exploratory program. I think I was actually your only kid who didn't actually go through your exploratory, but who did take your class my year. Um, I knew when I heard that I was moving to Attleboro that I wanted to take this program. I tried really hard to get in and I'm happy that I did. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, so tell us a little bit about yourself, though, like family, friends, hobbies, etc., uh, jobs.
1: I have. I live with my mom and my stepdad, and my two step siblings. Uh, we have two dogs. Um, I'm short, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you get your you got your new dog?
1: Yes, I have had my new dog. He's a troublemaker.
0: Uh, what did you end up naming him?
1: Bruin, just like Mr. Riley's dog.
0: Well. Wow inspired by the best i i I assume um and so you said like you didn't take the exploratory but you knew you wanted to join why what what made you join the program
1: well so before i even knew i was moving like relatively like late in middle school i was like wow i this is your program specifically uh, like exploring tri county. I was like, this is a program I would love to take if I could. And then once I knew I was moving to Aderborough, I was like, wow, I now I have s- such a great opportunity to take this class. I need to do it. There's no point in
0: Where'd you move from?
1: North Attaborough, actually. Okay.
0: And but why? Well like what about the program or that the idea of the program, whether Tri County or here, what attracted you to this I like, this program?
1: Uh well So it plays into this whole idea that I've always lived in because of my mother, like always wanting to help people. And I knew this program, well, this program to me felt like the best way to help people instead of like, you know, carpentry, even though it does help people like build houses and all that. This one I felt was like more impactful in ways that I could get behind. And I was like, let's do it.
0: Uh, I believe that is one of the themes that you get in a lot of our guest speakers, right?
1: Yes.
0: Do get okay. involved in these jobs because you want to help people. Mm-hmm. Not because you want to make millions of dollars.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: And if you do make millions of dollars, that's okay, too.
1: <laughs> You're also <laughs> lucky there.
0: Uh, so speaking of guest speakers, who's been your favorite over the last three years?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I really enjoyed the chief of police from Boston, uh, Mr. Gross? Gross. Gross. Gross, that was his name. Um, I very much enjoyed it when he came in. He spoke to a lot of classes. It was a lot more, it was more than just art class. And something that was different about him than the rest of them, I feel like, was he was very, like, not, like, friendly, but it felt more like you could have a conversation with him and you could actually talk to him about his job and his life experiences rather than these other people who just came in and, like, were, like, this is what I do. Here's where I went to school, blah, blah, blah.
0: Uh, yes, uh, he was a very personable man. Yes. <laughs> uh, he is no, you know, he's no longer the.
1: Yeah, we, he did retire. I did hear. Uh, about him.
0: We think that uh, we think that he uh, he might be running for mayor.
1: Mayor, it's crazy. Of Boston, yeah. <laughs> um, he
0: is. He has not made a, an official statement yet, but that's what all the people are thinking. Uh, What's been your uh, favorite project over the last three years? And that could be Topic. It doesn't have to be a specific project.
1: Um, I'd probably have to say, even though it's not something like you really like taught, it was more of like an collective thing. It was probably when the fifth graders came in, even though we didn't do much. I want to say that's my favorite because having the kids come in and learn what we have learned and just to see them be excited like we were I think that was just so cool. And being able to see people be interested in what we were once interested in.
0: (laughs) Once like we've lost our interest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So the sixth graders come in or they have, obviously they did not come in this year, um, but the sixth graders come in as part of their kind of uh, STEM week to look at the different programs and see what's there. It, it, there's a theory that uh, at sixth grade, kids start to become worse students, some of them. And if we can hook them into like, a, you have this to look forward to, um, it might cause them to try yeah. a little harder in seventh and eighth grade, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and the theory is like, you just sat through 15 programs. There's gotta be something that interested you.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Like if if you don't like carpentry, maybe you'll like engineering. And if you don't like engineering, maybe you'll like medical or here or whatever. So um, it is an exhausting week. But you're right. It is kind of fun to play around with them. Um, and what are your post high school plans?
1: Um, I do plan on going to college. I although I haven't committed, it's most likely going to be Salem State. Uh, I plan on majoring in psychology.
0: And where, for what purpose? Where, where would you see yourself in five, ten years?
1: Um, As much as husband, I would love to just be, like, perhaps a psychiatrist or a general therapist, I also kind of want to go into forensic psychology. Uh, perhaps uh, go on trial, determine if a witness is actually able to testify or not, see if it's trustworthy, go into that direction.
0: Okay. And why is that interesting?
1: Um... It's actually something I've picked up from being in your class. I never really have thought about it. I've never, I did, we didn't even know about it until probably sophomore year. And once people started talking about it and it became something that I've researched more or we've talked about more, it's like, wow, this is something that I can get behind and might actually want to do in life.
0: Uh, it is a, uh, there's a. obviously the human brain is a fascinating place and so um, i can understand why people are interested in that idea those ideas yeah so what are we here to talk about
1: um lgbtq and how it is affected by the criminal justice system
0: uh interesting so there, i i think there's like three or four different ways that that can go right like that can be yes um so what what how are you think what were your thoughts on that
1: Um, oh, so like, let's say my research, uh, some research that I, a lot of it came, like started out as talking about youth, like under the age of 18 and what happens to them. But there were some very interesting statistics that I came across upon like adults and like anything that had to do with like correction facilities or like incarceration rates. And it kind of just sparked this whole idea of like, wow, there is a discrepancy between the LGBTQ community and people who aren't a part of it. How so? So, like just the idea that there is a difference between them when there really is no reason for there to be is kind of like, why, what is the reason? And then you go down this rabbit hole and you you never really know because it's always comes down to like a personal most likely a personal rather than a systemic problem. But then once you see that it happens to a lot more than just one person, then you're like, okay, is this all just a personal problem? Or is there actually systemic problems happening?
0: Uh, And so what what exactly are we talking about? We're talking about uh, like percentage of people who are incarcerated who are LGBTQ? Are we talking about prosecution?
1: Uh, pro- probably just incarceration rates and a lot of statistics that go about it. Uh, like youth and perhaps I actually, also have one case that I thought was interesting. That's actually relatively new that I wanted to talk about. Go ahead. Uh, so it was, it's actually, it is It's from like January of this past year. It's called Roe v. The Iowa Department of Corrections. And even though it wasn't, the case is not about like a person being within, like as like an inmate, it was actually a worker of the state. And I thought it was very interesting because it's a different perspective than on incarceration rights, because a worker for the state, who you would expect the state to like be a, a good example of what to do for people of the LGBTQ community, denied this person the rights that they deserved. And so for specifics, the nurse um, is a transgender man He began to identify as a man, and when he told his supervisor, he was denied access to his preferred gendered spaces. He was not allowed to go into the male restroom. He was given a unisex bathroom. Uh, The unisex bathroom also did not have the same things that the other bathrooms did have. Like, for example, a shower. He was like, I don't have the access to a shower like my other coworkers do. And he sued. He was like, this isn't appropriate. I am a man and you should be able, I should be able to have all these things that other men do.
0: And he was a nurse who worked for the prison.
1: Yes, he is a nurse in the prison and that it just kind of sparked.
0: So in this case, we're talking about um, on one level employment within the CJ system. Yes. So that was one of the three things. When I said there's like three or four topics, one of them is that idea of um, what is it like to be LGBTQ and try to get a job in law enforcement or corrections or something like that. And obviously, uh, I don't think I need to exp- explain that it's really hard. Yes. Um, and you have to be okay. Okay, with either kind of being closeted or um, dealing with a lot of crap, mm-hmm. if if you're going to try to maintain a job in the field, right? So um, they, you know, obviously there you can't discriminate upon hiring, um, but in the case of that you just referenced, you know, what is the, you know, do you let? a transgendered man use the bathroom, right? Like, yes. uh, good, good question. And you know, is that, where is that in, in people's, you know, rights and freedoms? And obviously these are questions specifically in the transgender community. Um, you know, these, uh, these changes are happening very quickly in our culture. Yes. Um, you know, 10 years ago, we didn't t- well. 2017 was Obergefell versus Hodges, right? So in 2017, four years ago, um, you know, gay marriage wasn't legal in our country. And we went from like discussing the rights of uh, gay lesbians and bisexual um, to all of a sudden transferring those over to transgender uh, really quickly. Um, and it's been really interesting to see how people, Are dealing with this, right? So there's a lot of people who are like, no, like you shouldn't have rights. Yeah. Which seems like a terrible stance to take.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, But they're like, you know, no, uh, it's, that's not the way it's supposed to be, so therefore it shouldn't be. Um, As opposed to recognizing that that's the way it is and that's the way it should be. Uh, So like, it's interesting to see where these these uh, fights are playing out, right? Yeah, the other One of the other aspects, I think, is the, how the law enforcement community deals with the LGBTQ community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I know that Boston and Worcester have LGBTQ liaisons who work for the police department, but go out into the community and try to figure out, like, what do you need from the police department? Mm-hmm. Um, how can we do a better job? Uh, what are we missing? Um, Interesting. Because you know, if you can imagine if you're the victim of um, a hate crime, you might not want to call the police because maybe they're not gonna maybe they're gonna judge you too.
1: Yes, and that's true. that could very well happen
0: or let's say you're the victim of domestic violence and it's a same-sex marriage and you call the police, the police might not deal with you the same way that they deal with a, a woman in a, um, in a in like simple situation, situation, right? Yeah. Like, um, and so figuring out how to deal with that is obviously, is yes. is obviously an, an issue within the... The criminal justice community, um, and then the, the the other one is just you know LGBTQ rights, which I think is more along the lines of what you're talking about, right?
1: Yeah, a little, yeah.
0: So, what are your thoughts on LGBTQ rights?
1: Obviously, we should have the same rights. I, I identify as LGBTQ. We should have the same rights as everybody else. There's no reason why we shouldn't.
0: W- why not? why
1: so (laughs) you're bringing me down a rabbit hole a lot of this a lot of this i bring back to the fact that i don't believe we practice separation of state and church but we that's not what we're here to talk about that's what i believe it is rooted in i believe that people stick to their roots and they don't want change and i think they don't realize that no matter what change is coming it's going to happen and you can't stop it. As much as you may not believe in it, that doesn't mean it's not real. It does exist, and at some point, you need to acknowledge it.
0: And so, what do you say to the people who say that, you know, people who are born male sh- at birth or you know biologically male, um, that they have to stay male?
1: It's just not true. I mean, like. Yes, they may be born biologically a male, but as they grow up, if they begin to think they are not a male, then they are not a male. If they do not want to be a male, they don't believe it is what they correlate to, then they do not have to. They can become a woman. They can become whatever they want, non-binary, whatever they want.
0: And as a result, they should be equated the same rights?
1: Yes. Absolutely. There's no reason for them not to have the same rights.
0: Now, let's go back to the Iowa one. I don't know anything about this case, so I'm not...
1: Yeah, relatively new.
0: ...any place of of knowledge on this. Um, If you hired someone who was male... To work in a male prison, and then the person said, "I identify with female." Do you think that they should still be allowed to work there, if the if part of the job was to hire them for their gender?
1: Um. Well, I. Okay, so if they were to tr- like trans transition gender, it is very hard to I would say, not only like. Hire a job based off of gender, but like, it's just something you can't really rely on because gender can change frequently for some people. And so, when you think about if they should still have that job, I do think a a woman who transitions to a woman, a man who transitions to a woman, should still keep the job because there's no reason for them not to for them to lose their job if they have completed their job before, if they've done it for days, weeks, years. If there's no reason to fire them, then there's no reason to fire them. No matter what happens to them.
0: Um, I'm not a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but I, I will, you know, speak for women in, in a way that like, you know, and I know I can't do that, but like,
1: I can imagine
0: that a woman would not feel comfortable being necessarily like strip searched by a male guard
1: yes you're right
0: and so if we hired someone to be a female guard for the purposes of dealing with women in a way that would make them more comfortable and feel less vulnerable if the person then transitioned to a man would they still be able to like and they've done their job they've done their job for years should they still be able to do the same job if now the woman's being searched by a man
1: so I believe, yes, they should be able to continue their job. Now, if, like, we'll take your example for, we'll take it. Uh, if we, if the people within the prison are now like, even though we acknowledge this person, we're still not comfortable with the fact that they identify as a male, then that, then you're like, okay, we have reason, and not, even though it's wrong, we have reason to ask you to leave because of how women feel. You have to bring in other people's perspectives. Now, is it right, necessarily? I don't think so. But it is more to think about, especially in the terms that you get.
0: Right. So, like, you know, jails rotate populations quite frequently, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, someone who identifies as a male gets... Well, someone who got a job as a female now identifies as a male. A prisoner who's never been there shows up into prison has no idea who this person yes. is, sees a male guard acting like a male guard, and is like, I'm not comfortable with a male searching me. Like, they're male now, right?
1: Mm-hmm. You do so, have to acknowledge that, yeah.
0: So, there are times where I, th- your gender matters.
1: Yes, there are times, I agree.
0: And, if you change genders you're changing the you're changing that right
1: yes mm-hmm.
0: and and so it sounds like in the case that you're talking about being a nurse is an, it, there's no gender requirement there
1: no uh, there isn't because like a nurse can have a variety of jobs and like it's not going to change i feel like the way you feel based off of their gender
0: and a nurse isn't like I mean, a nurse is designed to help anyone. It it doesn't have to be male or female. You know, there are plenty of doctors who are male or female that I would have no problem with helping me out if I needed medical help. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, in that in the case of the Iowa thing, if it's not related to the job, then he should not be let go.
1: Yes, I agree. You should not be let go.
0: And what about for like pol- like police? Same thing?
1: Yeah, there's no reason to change the way you re- act around someone or to fire someone or to let someone off just because of the, the gender expression they use.
0: What about the argument? and I'm not, I'm steel manning this, I'm not saying, or I'm still personing yeah. this, I'm not saying that, like, this is my belief, but I'm, you know, I, I know that this will be a counter argument. Um, what about that idea that, you know, um, I need to trust and depend on everyone. And now I'm not comfortable around you. Should I be? If there's five of us, and we're not comfortable around you, should you change? Or should we change?
1: Well, that's a good That's a good thought process. Like if, hmm, if there is only like one, like there are six people like in a police station. If one of them, if let's say they're all male, born male, they always have identified as male. Let's say one transitions to male to female. If the other five male aren't really comfortable with that, Honestly, I believe you have to just deal with it because there's nothing that is stopping them from doing their job. They're not now worse at their job. There's nothing changing necessarily for them, I feel. And so that is something that you cannot like decide on. Even if you aren't comfortable, you've grown. You have to grow up by being uncomfortable at some points. So at that point just deal with it
0: and so how do how do we do that how do we convince people and i convinced might be the wrong word how do we um how do we educate people to be more accepting
1: so to me that's a time thing like there's a big difference between the way teens and even some the newer adults think now and the way adults thought 50 years ago as time changes people are going to become more accepting and so like at, right now we're in that weird in between where like some people most people are becoming to like be accepting but we still have those people and they're they are of older age who are like we can't accept this and it, over time it will change
0: so the way that like integrating african-americans back in society or allowing for interracial marriage like Yes. In in 67, that was not allowed, but now it's like no big deal. It's
1: normal. It's no big deal. Exactly.
0: And so you think time will heal all wounds?
1: Yes, I do think time will help. I don't think there's like a complete full way to educate people now. I don't think that's what that's going to happen.
0: But don't you have but then don't you have a problem with like how do you get representation in places like police departments or corrections if. You know that by joining it, you're going to be running into a place where it might be kind of hostile to you, but you need those that representation so that 20 years from now, it's normal. Yeah. So how do you do that?
1: Well, so that's that takes a lot of courage from the front runners of people who try to gain representation like at some point someone is going to have to step up they're going to be like we need representation we need to be known in this industry and it takes a really brave person to go in and be like i will i will start this i will demand representation when i get in there because i know i need it and that future generations will need it
0: And yeah, I I agree with you, but how does that like? That seems like how do you get enough people to do that that it like makes a tipping point, that it makes a difference?
1: So, I I mean, uh, once again, I'm going to rely on my answer. It's time. As time goes on, more people are going to do it, more people are going to join the fight. Either if they're even if it's just our community, at some point, we are all going to realize. Wow, this is something we need to push for, and we will people will push for it. We will gain momentum, whether it be within the LGBT community, without the LGBT community. It's like over time, we will gain support, we will gain momentum, and it will change.
0: Um, just as a random aside, are you familiar with Spirit Magazine?
1: Uh, yeah, I've heard of it.
0: Uh, it's a uh... Boston magazine for uh, LGBTQ community. Uh
1: huh.
0: Um, so I I I get that magazine. Okay. Um. And a month or so ago, uh, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, um, just came out with new policies, and uh, their police department came out with new policies and procedures for uh, conduct with. Uh, transgendered people okay Um, and what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to um, the it it basically says that LGBTQ plus community um, often feel like they're not treated with respect and dignity and that we need to treat them with respect dignity and not traumatize them Um, they don't want to become ridiculed they don't want to become you know caught up in this bureaucracy and so the new policies, uh, one, they train police in new terminology around gender and sex, uh, mm-hmm. gender identity, gender expression. Um, they remove languages that are um, requiring individuals to provide proof of being transgendered beyond announcing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, address transgendered individual by adoptive name, even if the legal recognition hasn't happened yet. Yes. So if my license still yes. says my female name, but I say I'm male and this is my name, um, They are the, the police procedure is to call you by your male name. Yes. Um, that... Uh, training the police that adoptive names don't automatically equate to an attempt to hide or misrepresent one's identity. Right? So if you say, Mm -hmm. what's your name? And I say, my name is Toby Reed. And they look at my license and they're like, it says here, Tina, you're lying to me. That's not your name. Mm -hmm. Like, and obviously they're suspicious. Right. So then I'm like, Nope, that is my main, my name. Um, they are training their police that if detaining an individual, to not remove clothing, wigs, hair pieces, or makeup, uh, unless you have reasonable suspicion to think that there's contraband. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, if you're placing a transgendered person alone in a cell uh, and post booking, try to place them in a, uh, cell, a cell that corresponds with their gender identity. Yeah. Um, and so that is how um, Pittsfield police are dealing with this. And this is like, as I said, this is uh, February of 21. So a month yeah. and a half ago. Um, and those are the procedures that they're trying to enact. It says that uh, I'm reading off of the Pittsfield police's department policy stuff here. It says, um, the policy of the department is to interact with the transgender community in a manner that is professional, respectful and courteous. It is the department's policy to handle transgender arrestees in a manner that ensures that they are processed and housed safely and efficiently to the greatest extent possible. Personnel of this department will not engage in an activity that will embarrass, humiliate or otherwise shame transgendered individuals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that that seems like something that makes sense to you.
1: Yes. Like that is something like to me when I think that that's like, we should have been doing this ages ago, but it also, I also had that last thought, like where we shouldn't shame people who are transgender. You shouldn't be doing that with anybody. Why are you going to shame anybody at that point? There's no need to.
0: I agree. You, I I also would see how, I think it would be easier or I bet, I bet it's more common for transgendered people to undergo that type of humiliation.
1: And it definitely is. It's just that, why shame anybody? Like, Even though it is easier, it just seems like, that. like the way they work, it made it sound like they do it all the time. And that's just not something you should have been doing.
0: Well, I, I don't think they were like, we used to do this yeah. all the time, but now we're not going to. I think it's more about like, we, uh, we recognize that like we,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. We're going. We're going to have a policy so that now we can hold you accountable if you do it.
1: Yeah, which is a good thing. Everybody needs that.
0: Um, and so, some of this, I think, has to do a lot with um, obviously training.
1: Training, yes. I agree.
0: Uh, and so, as I said, like, so like Boston police has an LGBTQ liaison who works for Boston police and then works to find out what the LGBT community, um, is dealing with, what do they need, uh, where are the police doing a good job? Where are they doing a bad job? Um, how can the, they do a better job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, um. Boston's a very large unit. Yes. <laughs> right. So as of now, I be- believe it is Officer Dayhill is their um, is their liaison officer, uh, and that also gives you know people who have questions about how to interact with the police um, a place to go that they know that they're going to be treated um, respectfully. Right. Yes. So they know, like, all right, if I call this guy and say, hey, I have this issue, but I'm afraid that if I call you, that you will do, you know, that the police will misunderstand the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what should I do? And then his job is um, to, help
1: people. Yeah. to help people,
0: which ultimately is what our what the justice system is supposed to do, right? Yes. Um, and so, you know, you have dealing with people in prison and or people who are uh, getting in trouble by law enforcement, who are LGBTQ, you have jobs inside of police and um, corrections and employees who are LGBTQ. Uh, and then you have the larger like, how does my community work with your community to make it safer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and those are all three very difficult things to do.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Um, do you think it's getting better?
1: Um, there's definitely still problems, but compared to where we were, let's say five years ago, ten years ago, it's definitely gotten better.
0: And where do we? What should we be working on? What should we be doing next?
1: Um. Personally, from my research, we need to look at the difference in incarceration rates and the problem that comes with sentencing, Uh, there is a big discrepancy between how the LGBTQ community is uh, sentenced and uh, incarcerated compared to the people who don't identify as that. And I do believe that is a problem we need to like start looking at because it can cause problems later in life. Let's say they get out of prison or jail.
0: Uh, What do you mean? Like, do you mean that they're incarcerated at at a higher rate?
1: Uh, yes. So like where I did my research, it was, uh, in 2019, it was actually found that, uh, lesbian, gay, bisexual individuals were, uh, 2.24, 2.25 times more likely to be arrested. And that the incarceration rates were people who identify as LGBTQ are incarcerated at a rate over three times that of the total adult population. And that is just outstanding and something we need to look at.
0: And what do you think accounts for that?
1: Um, it's actually the way people are, grow- I feel like the way people are brought up, uh, people who identify as LGBTQ more times than not have a rough life growing up through their adolescence years, and more times than not, which is the sad thing, they have to come to more like criminal ways of survival, and that puts them in direct contact with police officers more, and that causes them to be perceived as these evil people. It, like, this is what I believe. And I believe that is what causes longer incarceration rates, more incarceration. And I believe that's what happens. It's the fact that people to survive are seen more often by the police from the LGBTQ community.
0: And do you think there's a, uh, an inherent bias or do you think that it's a learned bias
1: um it's i would i'm going to go with a learned bias that people like get from like their parents or perhaps anything else in their life thinking about church um i believe that it's learned through those practices that these people are evil and they have this like bias that, like they need to be punished more harshly, harshly.
0: Because those statistics are not comforting.
1: No, not at all.
0: <laughs> um, and so we have a we have a ways to go. Yes. But you're optimistic that we'll get there.
1: Yes, I am.
0: Okay. And w- how are you going to help get there?
1: Um. Well, I'm hoping that by being able to become a forensic psychologist i like to connect it back because that's how I, how I always think that by being part of the lgbt community if i'm able to become a forensic psychologist i can explain and almost be like another point of view within the criminal justice field like i want to be able to take that step into the field and be like this is what's happened in the past this is what we need to change and like I'm hoping that as I learn through college and as I gain this experience, I can be of a bigger impact.
0: Which, of course, leads to the last question. Why should we care about Aiden Dorenzo?
1: <laughs> because everybody, everybody in this world can cause change and can have an impact. And when they believe in it and they have something to fight for, you should pay attention. You want to pay attention. You can feel it all throughout the world. And I believe that's why you need to just give people a chance and follow and hope, hope for the best and see what they do.
0: And I look forward to following you and seeing what you do. Thank you. I I, I can only imagine that uh, I expect nothing but great things from you. Thank you. Because this is a job where we're Trying to help people and I think you have the right attitude and uh temperament and all of that sort of stuff to actually make a difference.
1: Thank you. Uh any
0: uh any other last minute things?
1: Uh no, none that I can think of.
0: Well, uh thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. An honor.